Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henn. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Daniel 5, verses 1 through 31, and our message is entitled, God Saves. God Saves. So, verse 1, I'm always the last one there to give you time. Hopefully you have found it. Verse 1, it begins this way. King Belshazzar. Well, already we have a change, and so now it's 539 B.C. as we come to this moment in Daniel's life. And King Nebuchadnezzar is who we saw last time. You remember he was humbled before God, and he ultimately came to uh, a saving faith in God. God humbled him. Remember, he, he went crazy. <laughs> and, but God restored him, and uh, he gave his life to the Lord. But now the kingdom has gone from Nebuchadnezzar to this King Belshazzar. And so the question comes, you know, how did that succession happen? And if we look at uh, ancient historians, they kind of give us the order of events. And, and so after Nebuchadnezzar, his son, took over the rulership of Babylon for two years. And, uh, but then his brother-in-law assassinated him. And so then his brother-in-law ruled for four years and then died of natural causes, passing then the rulership to his son, who ruled only nine months because conspirators came in and killed him. And then those conspirators appointed the son-in-law of King Nebuchadnezzar, whose name was Nabonidus. Now, Nabonidus didn't like to rule. He liked to travel. (laughs) And so he actually put his son in charge as the acting king over Babylon. And his name was Belshazzar. So Belshazzar is the acting king, but he's technically, technically second in command. Verse 1 again, it says this. King Belshazzar made a great feast. Now, actually, before we move on, you know, I I do want to make this point. You know, historians and archaeologists for a long time, they knew that the last king of Babylon was Nabonidus. There was no record of King Belshazzar ever ruling over Babylon. And so this text, this passage, was one that the critics have said for years. Yes, see? See? The Bible's not right. It's inaccurate. It, it, it's wrong. It's, it's fallible. See? Right there. That's, that's not true. Until recently, they found what is called the Nabonidus Cylinder. It is in the British Museum. And on that cylinder, it describes how Nabonidus didn't like to rule, traveled. (laughs) And so he put his son, King Belshazzar, in charge as the acting king of Babylon. And I, I just bring that up to say once again, the Bible will always outlast its critics. 
And so I just want to encourage you, do not be discouraged by critics. Do not be beat up by deconstructionists on, on YouTube, on TikTok, on podcasts, uh, the professors in the university. I don't care wherever. Listen, it is not about the evidence. Hear me clearly. It is all about their hearts that do not like God's law or God's rule over their life. That is what the issue is. And so listen, you can trust God's word because God's word will be proven right in time, every time. Take it to the bank. Verse 1 again. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. And so Belshazzar, you know, he's addicted to wine, women, and song. And this is actually a very inappropriate party. Uh, this would be something along the lines of, of a huge rager in the White House with all of Congress you know, while the country is at war, that's kind of what is going on here. And, and so listen, we know that these debaucherous-filled parties happen in private places with all the people in power. We're very, very aware of that, right? But this was a very, very public spectacle that is happening here. Verse 2, Belshazzar, when when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver, that Nebuchadnezzar, his, his father. Now, the word father here is a general word for father. Actually, the Hebrew and also Chaldean, they don't have two words for father and grandfather. It's the same word. And so Nebuchadnezzar is actually the grandfather of uh, Belshazzar through uh, his mother's side. Verse 2 again. Belshazzar, when he tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar his father had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the kings and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. And so here we have, you know, the wine is flowing, the women are there, it's a debaucherous experience, you know, had by all. And so the party goes from that to openly mocking God, to taking that which was set apart by God, holy for God, and using those things for sin. And so listen, that is kind of the problem with worldly parties, is it not? That is more often than not, the result of a worldly party is immorality and, you know, then comes the blasphemy, you know, and, and people do things and say things that in the morning they, they regret. Verse 4. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and, and wood and stone. 
Now a little historical context here. And that is at this time, Babylon, the city, is actually surrounded by a hostile army. But they're not afraid. They're, they're not worried about it because Babylon was considered an impregnable city. They were the superpower. And so, you know, the, the city walls are 20 miles long. They're 90 feet high. They're 22 feet thick. They had enough food to last them for two years. They had a fresh water supply because the river Euphrates flowed right through the center of the city. So they're not concerned in the least. And, but it's interesting to me, you know, when I think of this scene of this, you know, this, this revelry, this, this throwing this party, you know, while they're surrounded by an enemy. It, it reminds me of what I see today, does it not? It reminds me of the spirit of our age. That, you, that as we look at the world, uh, just degrade itself as society goes further and further into evil and it gets more and more upside down and literally everything possibly that could go wrong is going wrong and you would think you would think that Christians would be here weeping on our knees praying that God would encourage us strengthen us use us do move in us uh, bring revival help us to bring others into the you would be you would think that we would just be passionately seeking Jesus because we're surrounded and you would think that people in the world might think you know I don't know I, I might need to look to God but Instead, what do we mostly see? In the midst of what is clear, clear danger, most people are like, eh, forget about it. And they go on like everything is normal. They go on pursuing whatever personal pleasures that they think brings their life meaning or allows them to have A sense of escape. Verse 5. Immediately, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. And so they're having a party, you know, they're, they're praising their gods, they're, they're having a good old time, right? And, you know, they're they're praising their gods, their, which are demons. And they bring out the vessels uh, from the temple and they're drinking from them. And so in that very moment, when they do that, it, immediately what happens, when, when the party really starts kicking into high gear, right at that moment, God pulls the plug on it all. And a human hand appears and begins to write on the wall. Verse 5 continues. And the king saw the hand <laughs> as it wrote. <laughs> now I have to think that, uh, that Belshazzar was so inebriated that he probably looked around at everybody else and was thinking, you see what I see, man? <laughs> I'm not the only one, right? <laughs> 
And they must have given him the same look because, verse 6, then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. And so, you know, Belshazzar, he didn't need a cup, cup of coffee to sober up here. And he went from that smirk and defiance of God look in his heart and in his eyes to stark terror. So let me ask you, friends, let me ask you, Christian, ever been there? Have you learned yet that God knows how to get people's attention? In that similar vein, I've had people come to me many times and say, you know what, Pastor, you probably wouldn't believe what I, what I saw, what I heard. And, and most of the time I'll say, yeah, yeah, I believe it. And listen, most of the time it's demonic. And most of the time they've opened up doors in their life and, and God is restraining evil for them in a moment. And he's allowing things to happen in that moment to get their attention before they're in total bondage, before they harden their heart and they are unable to hear his voice of grace again. How many people do you know that God has arrested their attention and they're, they're soft in that moment, but as soon as any kind of normalcy comes back in their life, boom, they forget God and they're just doing life like they did before. Verse 5 again. Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall and of the king's palace opposite the lampstand. Now, I, let me say this. Have you ever heard someone use the expression, the writings on the wall? Well, that's where the expression comes from right here. This, that, that's where this uh, or that expression originated. And so the writing is on the wall for Belshazzar here. And the king saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way and his knees knocked together. Verse 7. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and shows me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the what? Third ruler in the kingdom. And so now remember, Nabonidus is the first ruler in the kingdom, but he put his son in charge as acting king. So he is technically second in command. So that is all Belshazzar can offer is third in command. And so I'm pointing that out to say that is a very, very specific detail that the Bible got right that we only found out archaeologically very, very recently to be true. Verse 8, Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Now that sounds familiar, right? <laughs> These guys, true to form, 
can't help. They couldn't help Nebuchadnezzar. They can't help Belshazzar either. Verse 9. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his color changed, and his lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. Verse 11. There is a man in your kingdom, and whom is the spirit of the holy gods? In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show you the interpretation. And so Daniel, he, he's actually been out of commission, out of the picture, for 20 years. And, and so he was, you know, removed from his post because of all the different changes in the regime. And, and so he's kind of been on the bench, so to speak, in terms of the, the world's eyes. And he is actually in his 80s here. And, uh, and God is, is pulling him into the game. He, he's calling him up to, to go to bat. And now I say that to say this, you know, oftentimes when God hasn't used us for a day or for a week or for a year even, maybe even for longer, we, we can start to panic a little bit. We, we can start to feel like, man, I, I'm, I'm missing something. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the flow. Something, something is wrong, especially in our culture of insta success, especially in our culture where there's this great pressure for us all to feel like we're doing something important, doing something significant. That is in terms of what everybody sees and what everybody approves of and says, yeah, that's important. And I would just say to you, my brothers and sisters, it is so much better. It is it is, so much, it is so much better that we simply recognize that we are tools in the toolbox of our Lord. And listen, he can take us out and he, whenever he desires and use us however he desires. And, and so my part and, and your part, listen, is, is just to be ready it's just to be faithful to what we know. It's just to be faithful to, to what is in front of us. That's hard enough for me. I don't know about you. To, to just walk in godliness before him, to, to be full of his word, to, to be filled with his spirit. And listen, we're, we're walking godly in our marriage. We're walking godly in our home. We're walking godly in our church. We're looking to be godly with, as our employer or employee. And we're just living for him and all that we do, being faithful so that when and if God taps us, we're ready like Daniel. Listen, Daniel, 
disciplined himself for godliness in the hidden places, in the secret places. He, he didn't care about prominence. He, he didn't seek it. You know, he, he just was faithful to God. He, he lived to glorify God every day. And so when, when God needed him, he was ready. Well, let's continue. Verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, You are that Daniel, one of the exiles of Judah, whom the king, my father, brought from Judah. I've heard of you that the spirit of, of the gods is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the enchanters, have, brought, have been brought in before me to read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not show the interpretation of the matter. But I have heard that you can give interpretations and solve problems. Verse 16 continues. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself, and give your rewards to another. That is, listen, Daniel was a godly man. He couldn't be bought. Nevertheless, I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father kingship and greatness and glory and majesty. And because of the greatness that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he killed. And whom he would, he kept alive. Whom he would, he raised up. And whom he would, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened so that he dealt proudly, he was brought down from his kingly throne, and his glory was taken from him. He was driven among the children of mankind, and his mind was made like that of a beast, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. He was fed grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until he knew that the Most High God rules the kingdom of mankind and sets over it whom he will. And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you, what? Knew all this. That is, Daniel doesn't pull any punches here. He says, King, <laughs> you knew. Listen, you, you saw what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He, you, you saw how God humbled him. And listen, you heard his testimony of giving his life to the living God. You, you, you saw that, you heard that, and you did not learn from his lesson. And so here's the principle that we see here. Uh, we are to honor. We are to honor God in accordance with the revelation that we receive, and God will hold us accountable to that. It's interesting, and the Apostle Paul picks up on this principle, and he actually exp he expands on it 
in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, you know, that all men are without excuse because God has revealed himself to all men. And he goes on to say that, listen, there are certain things that a person cannot not know about God because of creation and because of our conscience. That is because God's handwriting is all over what he has created and God's handwriting is on the very conscience and soul of a man or a woman and we know that he exists. And so Paul goes on to say, that a person literally has to suppress the truth and unrighteousness in order to do, deny that. And so that, listen, that's exactly what people do. That's, that's what I did before Christ. We, we do what we want to do and we want to do it and how we want to do it. We know what's best. You know, we have sex with who we want, when we want, how we want. You know, the, the world is burning down. We have a food crisis, an energy crisis, and all people care about is, you know, whether we're honoring transsexuals or not. Are you kidding me? That's all we care about? What? That is darkness. That is suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. And, you know, it's, it's my life. It's my stuff. My time. I'm, I'm going to live my life how I want. I'm in charge. But no, God held Belshazzar accountable. He held him accountable to the revelation that he knew. And I want us to understand something. Belshazzar had a lot less revelation than you and I have. <laughs> and he will hold me accountable. And he will hold you accountable as well. Verse 23. But you have lifted up yourself against the Lord of the heaven. That is, you know, he suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. He was the boss of his life. He wasn't going to humble himself. He's doing his thing. And the vessels of his house have been brought in before you and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. That is, Belshazzar took the holy vessels of God and he, he desecrated them. He, he took that which was intended for honor and he used them for dishonor. Now listen, we don't have any ancient cups of gold, although it'd be nice to have one, right? Sell it. We don't have any ancient cups of gold today, but 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says something very, very interesting. It says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. That is we, friends, brothers and sisters, we are the Holy Spirit vessels of God. And so listen, when we take things that are intended for honor, we take things that God intended for holiness and we desecrate them, 
<laughs> we desecrate them with alcohol and drugs and immorality, the ways of the world, the entertainment of the world, the love of the world. We're doing the same thing that Belshazzar. We're taking that which is holy and corrupting it. We're taking that which is intended for honor and we're using it in dishonor. And so I just want to remind us the vision that God has for your life, fellow Christians. You were made for honor. You were made to be holy. You were made to be full of God's presence and power. You were made to reflect His glory fully in and through you and actually manifest His presence to those around you. You, your body, your mind, your soul were made for honor. You are not to dishonor your body and your mind and your soul like the rest of the world. You've been redeemed. You've been made a new creation in Christ. You've been bought. You've been set apart for God's holiness. Verse 23 continues and it says, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know. But the God in whose hand is your breath, in whose all your ways you have not, what? Honored. That is... You know, we so naturally breathe, right? We, we don't even think about it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, next breath is flowing even as I talk to you. We don't, we, we just presume upon that next breath. And yet Daniel kind of arrests us here and, and he reminds us that, listen, my next breath, your next breath is in God's hand. We breathe our next breath at his pleasure. And then he goes on to say, that's, that's true of everything. That, that's true of all of our ways. He decides. We don't. I, I mean, we run around this little planet like we're in charge, and it's my life, and I'm making decisions, and I'm doing what I want to do. And, and like Daniel just goes, huh? You exist at God's pleasure. He can pull the plug on that anytime he wants. Do not be so foolish. Recognize who he is. Honor him as the sovereign ruler of your life. Live in accordance with who he is. He holds the universe in his hand. He holds it together by his power. He puts the stars in place. He is the one who decides. He is the one who rules. We do not. Oh, and I, I don't know if you're like me, but I have a rebellious heart. How, how foolish.
foolish I can be sometimes. You know, I get so caught up in my own little world and this passage just kind of jolts me. Like, man, get out of your own little private Idaho, Kurt. You remember that song? I'm from Idaho, so I can say that. But it jolts me out of that. Like, <laughs> I, I live for God's pleasure. I exist at God's pleasure. I, I, I need to honor Him accordingly. I need to submit to Him accordingly. Verse 24. Then from his presence the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed and this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parsia. This is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Now, the Greek historian uh, Herodotus tells us that Cyrus, the king of Persia, and then Darius, uh, the king of the Medes, together were kind of co-ruling. Uh, the way that they conquered Babylon is ultimately what they did is they diverted the flow of the Euphrates River into a nearby swamp. And so then the water level lowered below the river gates. And so they sent their troops through the water underneath the gates and conquered Babylon. And this is actually happening right now as Daniel is speaking to Belshazzar. Verse 29. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, a chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that, that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you laugh, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's so amazing, right? I, I mean, uh, it's like, um, a king, did, did you hear what I just said to you? <laughs> did, did it compute, you know? Your kingdom's done. Listen, you're done. You know, I, your, your, your gifts are meaningless. Did, did you hear what I said? And it's interesting to me, perhaps you've had that experience. I mean, it, it's grievous as well, is, is that you can tell people over and over again, and they don't hear you. I mean, you try to warn them, you know, the writing's on the wall, man, if you don't change. The writing's on the wall. If, if you don't turn, please, please hear me. And they go, oh, yeah, 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 I hear what you're saying. But, but I can't change or I don't, I don't want to change or, you know, here's all my excuses for not changing yet. Maybe someday, you know, get the robe, get the chain going to deny the writing on the wall, going to deny what the inevitable consequence of what I'm doing is. So Belshazzar says, you know, get the purple robe, put the gold chain on him. Yeah, make him third in command. Totally delusional. He was so blind to the truth. 
And yet, how many encounters do you have? How many times, sometimes even your own heart? How our sin can just blind us to what God is clearly, clearly saying to us. And yet we resist. Yet we allow sin to darken our understanding of what God is just clearly calling us. Please, please turn. Please turn. Please turn. I'm coming back. Please, please get your life right with me. Please get get your house in order. Please see what is happening around you. Get about loving your family. Get about loving me. Get about getting close to me. Listen, all these other things are important, but that is the most important. If that is not in place, you will be taken out. You will be. And our sin, our sin, our pride, it it just blinds us to the clear writing on the wall, to God's clear word of what he's saying to us. We, we, We think we got more time. We think it's no big deal. We think that God don't doesn't care. We abuse his grace, you know. Eh, God, forgive me. Yeah. As though there's no consequence there. Verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc. 